just to quell the fury from last week, I need to uh, need to put a correction in, which I think I've already mentioned to both of you. When we were talking about the 2FA analogy and I was talking about Cinderella, I accidentally said that the cat was called Dinah. Oh, yeah. Which is not true. Dinah's the cat from Alice in Wonderland. The oh, cat yeah. was, yeah. The cat was actually called Lucifer. Oh, yeah. Which isn't at all on the nose. <laughs> so, <laughs> apologies for that. It's been a, been a big week, Disney-wise, actually. Because um, we went to see Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. uh, which was pretty good. I don't know if either of you have seen it. No, but I have witnessed the crowds. Oh, yeah, that's Sydney right. World. You did, didn't you? Yeah. Um, oh, bless you. Just thousands and thousands of families with small girls wearing mm-hmm. bell dresses yeah we saw one because we were like in in the in the, the lobby bit and there was a girl coming in with it i don't know if it was a a hand-me-down kind of bell dress but it was way too big she's like having to hold it up you know bunched in both hands just to be able to walk without tripping <laughs> over oh, which is funny but yeah it was good you want to see it in imax 3d you know just for the just so i could say i've given it it's it's full juice and it was it was good yeah it was really good and it also kind of got us ready because uh, in a couple of weeks less than a couple of weeks now we're going to we're going to uh, Disney World wow, yeah really? well we're going to Orlando we're going to do all the parks but Disney World is kind of top of the list oh nice for for my wife who's never been before hmm. have you been before yeah it was a few years back though. Um, and I think everything changes year to year. Mm. There'll be all the Star Wars stuff this time, won't they? Yeah, loads of Star Wars stuff. I'm sure there'll be loads of Frozen stuff as well. Because mm. um, uh, I, I got a book, didn't I? I got the, the unofficial guide to, to Disney World. You did. 2017. Got, got delivered the other day. Mm-hmm. What You're expecting what? I don't know, something like a centimeter thick or something? Yeah, I was expecting pamphlet. maybe 150 pages. Like, this is stuff that's worth knowing. And the book runs about 850 pages. What? And that's just the unofficial guide. Imagine what the official... The official one's probably just one page. It's great. <laughs> yeah. Go and buy lots of food. Stay at all our hotels. Yeah, stay, stay at each of them in turn so that you're not missing any of the magic. So it's got, it's got things like it tells you where to go, at what times of the day, what's least busy. Just lots of things you'd never think of. Don't sit on the bottom of the wave pool in... Uh... Mm. One of the water parks. Yeah, because it's got an abrasive surface and you could injure yourself. It's really minute details. I think you read that that line, didn't you? Yeah. I read one that was like, make sure you work out on your Stairmaster before you go because a lot of the flumes have about 125 steps to get to the top of. (laughs) It's really specific information, Mm. but stuff that you might, you know, be, be looking at a queue for a ride and think, oh, that reminds me, if we if we work our way through this underbush here, there's a secret queue that has no people in it, and that'll get us on the ride quicker. I was hoping it'd tell you about stuff like the bit that inter- I've not been to Disney World Land anything mm. either. The bit that interests me is the stories about things like the underground tunnels that they use to kind of transport characters from yeah. from the central changing rooms into their location because you couldn't possibly have Peter Pan walking through Star Wars land on his way to... just wouldn't be done, would it? No, it just wouldn't make sense. It mm. confused the children. It must be, I'd love to know what the audition process is like to be a member of staff at, say, Disney World because mm. I bet it's awful. 
I bet it's really cutthroat stuff. Mm. Um, I think you have to be really good. Well, yeah. I suppose there's a lot of ad-libbing going on as well because you've mm. got to react to situations. So if a ch- if you're dressed as Gaston and someone comes and like punches you in the leg, you got to roll with it and go, <laughs> fling them over a fence or somebody, something like that. Somebody yeah. hands you a box of eggs. <laughs> yeah, you got to eat them. <laughs> Every last one. Yeah, you must have a... Uh, Immunity to salmonella or something like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it sounds really, good. Really, uh, we're going there for a while. Like, I don't know, 12 days or something like that. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of parks. Mm. So you've got Disney, you've got Epcot, Universal, like the Space Center, SeaWorld, Busch Gardens, mm. Typhoon Lagoon. So... Trying to get my head at the moment around the Fast Pass Plus system. Because it's all changed. You know when you went to Alton Towers and you could get like a little... I can't remember what they called it over there. But it's like advanced queuing or priority yeah. queuing and come back at a certain time and you can go on the ride straight away. Or there's like gates that you could go through or something that yeah. cut you into the queue earlier or something. You can book months in advance to go on a ride at Disney World. Months. Really? And there's an app you get as well. An app that will give you real-time cues on rides and things like that. The game's changed. <laughs> this this uh, it sounds way too stressful for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm kind of trying to... This is why uh, I'm kind of leaving it to the wife to figure out, because she likes planning things. So <laughs> we've got the book. We'll get it planned out. We'll go and we'll have a good time. I'm trying to figure out what's the cheapest knockoff GoPro I can get to take as well. I want something that's just pure volume. You know, something that I can just let it recording and record the whole day at Disney World. Mm. And then I can look back on it and just relive every second. Just strap into my VR headset and just sit there and <laughs> reenact the whole thing. Did you ever play that game as a family where you would total up how much you spent to get into a park? and then keep count of which rides you've been on and work out how much each ride was costing. <laughs> I did that, yeah. Alton Towers. <laughs> yeah. Two-hour queues. Well, to make sure you got the bang for your buck. It's like, yeah, so we went on, we paid however much as a family to go in, and between us we've ridden 60 rides, which means that each ride costs about this much, and that's that seems reasonable. So, yeah, we probably got a good good value out of our day. Do people do that? Do people go uh, in without? Our family did. <laughs> I mean, well, no, not so much the counting. I can see, I can see how that might be quite, quite good at the end of the day. But do people go into parks without paying the entrance fee and then pay individually for rides? Are there many places you know. that do I've, that? Nah, I've only been to Alton Towers really. Yeah. Alton Towers does that? No. No. Oh. So it's Double. it's yeah, it's more about making sure that you you get on as many rides as possible so that you get value for your single entrance fee that you've already paid. I went to Alton Towers one time, went on Ripsaw six times in a row. I think I've done Nemesis something like five or six times in a row. Mm. Last time I went, though, um, I just, I would go on a ride and then I would come off and I would go, I need to sit down now. And it was just a depressing experience because it made me feel really old. (laughs) See, that didn't used to be me either. Does it does it not worry you the thing that happened at Alton Towers with the 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 big accident with the smile of the helicopter? Um, the last time I went was before then. I've got enough really to so worry about. That's the that's the the thing with me getting older. I just think that's not worth it. 
my, my mortality is like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more aware of it now. Me, with me, it's planes. Like, I'm really not looking forward to the plane journey. Yeah. Because every know. time I get on a plane, I get more fearful of getting on planes. Me too, actually, yeah. Mm. But uh, it's, you know, it's, the thing, TV's in the back of the seats. So I can just forget my troubles. The, the thing I hate about planes is when you have to get up to go to the toilet or whatever, and walking around freaks me out. When I'm sat down, I'm fine, but it's like when my feet are touching the ground and you just know there's nothing beneath your feet, that's what really freaks me out. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, enjoy your flight. That's probably the one time it doesn't scare me because then I'd be too caught up in the logistics of the toilet on a plane, which is, you know, all the queuing and trying to get around people <sighs> and yeah, it's not worth it. So what, how long's the flight there? Is it like, it's like seven nine, hours? I think, yeah, seven, eight, nine, that ballpark. Mm. I don't know if they make planes faster these days. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to it. And yeah. uh, the, the pass we've got, because you can get these two-week passes that have for fast passing them and everything like that like 600 quid per person daft amount of money but you get all the pictures included like you get digital copies of all the pictures that you have taken i don't know how it works like when you go on the ride whether you swipe or give them a code or something and they upload it to an account somewhere mm-hmm. yeah it's just going to be very very different what with all the technology bringing it back around to the podcast there <laughs> Let's talk about some technology anyway. We're uh, running a bit later today. So uh, the first one I've got is about uh, Windows 10, that old thing. They've got an update coming. So their big thing with Windows 10 is every six months they release a new update, kind of in the way that Apple have over the past few years. Mm. So with Apple, you've got OS X and you add Lion. Uh, no, I'm not even going to try. Mountain Lion? I think Mountain Lion was before... No, that was Snow Leopard. Yeah. Anyway, there's a different one every six months. So previously we had the anniversary update, mm-hmm. I want to say, and now we're coming around, and this one is the, the creator's update. So that's going to be coming out in a couple of weeks, April 11th, and brings a host, a slew of new features to Windows 10. And you'll be just in time to enjoy it, Adam, now that you've got your new PC oh, as well. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. As a creator yourself, <laughs> as a content creator, <laughs> I think you're really going to benefit from this package. Mm, it's quite a grandiose term, I think. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I was reading through all the features. And actually, as a creator, there's maybe a couple of things in here that would interest you. So the first thing we talked about it quite a while back was the new Paint 3D app. So it's... it's oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah so it's Paint but it's in 3D. So you can you can model stuff, and the idea being that then you could go and 3D print it. Or or, or mixed reality. Yeah. It's the other big thing that Microsoft are pushing at they, the moment. They do like to augment reality. So, yeah, create your, create your 3D models in paint and then, I don't know, stick them around your office in uh, while you're wearing your HoloLens or something. So that's going to yeah. come, that's just going to come as, a, as an application. It's just going to come down the pipe. You'll wake Mm. up one day, you'll turn on your PC. And finally, as a content creator, you will have the tools necessary to do your job. (laughs) So in addition to that, they've got, uh, they've got a kind of game mode as their term in it. So you know how you've got your, your Twitch and your, um, YouTube streaming. Well, Microsoft have partnered with beam. I've not heard of beam. Have you David? No. Is it a partnership? Have they, have they or an acquisition, or maybe. Or if they invented their own thing. 
No, I think this is an acquisition. I'll check, but uh, essentially it's ultra low latency streaming. So you don't need any extra hardware or software or anything like that. It's just built into the OS. So at the moment they've got the Windows game bar, mm. which... So this, um, is, this, this is like a bolt onto the game bar. Okay. <clears throat> so at the moment on Windows 10, you can hit, I think it's Windows key and G to bring up the game bar and you can sort of capture video of the game that you're playing from windows itself um mm-hmm. previously if you wanted to do that you'd need certain programs or um a full-on external capture setup but now Could... it's just kind of built into windows and yeah. they're extending that so that would that would capture video and let you just save a video file of whatever you're playing and this will now extend onto that and allow you to stream it online send it straight up to the web yeah yeah as content if you like i don't know if i'd call streaming content i suppose it's content creation of a sense isn't it just doesn't feel very um artistic does it just turning on a web stream of a of a video game but people are into it though. they are they're massively into it and uh, yeah good on you if it works for you the question i think is going to be it from from the announcement they've made so far, it doesn't sound like it's going to integrate with Twitch or anything like that. It's purely going to be a Beam environment. Mm. I don't know. Like, I don't get the impression that, say, YouTube streaming has picked up a massive following yet. And that's YouTube. And that's a big company that a lot <laughs> of people have an account on. Well, they know what they're doing. I, I don't know where the Beam is going to be. It's going to turn into a place where you're going to have a lot of viewers, where you actually are going to, mm. you know, or whether it's just going to be a few people streaming videos to their friends so that they could, their friends can watch it. Yeah. My favorite thing about YouTube streaming is the fact that you can scrub back to any point in the live stream. Mm. I think that's really good. It used to be up until a point you could only watch it live until someone then archived it at the end, whereas now you can go back two hours and start watching hmm. if you wanted to. Just to uh, derail the conversation a little bit, have you have you heard everything that's happening with YouTube at the minute? <sighs> Which particular things? Well, are yeah, happening? there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff. But so first of all, a lot of big brands have withdrawn adverts from youtube because it's getting they're getting partnered with kind of like extreme videos and oh, really? be associated with so like pepsi's withdrawn adverts from youtube and quite a few other big brands have um and then i think they're kind of trying to move away from the type of content producers that are on there already um there's like demonetized a lot of big youtube um youtubers videos Mm. it feels like they're trying to like push them off the platform so you know h3h3 mm. um and they're kind of focusing on more celebrity type content do you know um, if you understand what i mean right. are we talking joella zoella yeah, i think so so you know that every year that youtube produces year in review videos mm-hmm. well a lot of like big youtubers weren't featured in this one and kind of got shunned by him and they were putting on i think like Dwayne Johnson, The Rock was on it and stuff. Oh right, like that. okay, we're talking proper celebrities. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, and so, <laughs> no offense to Joe Slash. Well, no, out. but I think you know they're the type of YouTubers are actually concentrating on is like the the more lifestyle ones than. Mm. So yeah, I think I think something big will probably happen with YouTube fairly soon. I mean, it's you need a competitor, don't you? 
Still waiting on that yeah, competitor. I think I think this it, it won't be too far away because if YouTube really decide to move away from the type of content that they are show it, I mean I know it's a wide range of content anyway, but if they're mm. trying to like pigeonhole themselves, then this is an opportunity. Why do you think they would be doing that? Uh, money probably. I think this is you know Pepsi moving away. If they can regulate the type of content and attract attract kind of like quality inverted commas um content producers onto it yeah. and then partnering with big brands because I'm, I'm wondering if it's got anything to do with the sort of yeah just kind of policing the content that's on there yeah because if you look at things like the fallout with somebody like john tron that happened recently where and also um What's his name? PewDiePie. Yeah, PewDiePie. So both of them been making comments that probably should not be making and, Mm. and yeah, have managed to jeopardize various deals with big companies like Disney and so on. I guess YouTube doesn't really feel in a state, in a place at the moment to kick them off because they don't really have that kind of relationship with their creators, do they? Mm. But this is the point, isn't it? Like, YouTube started out being a platform that anyone could upload things to, and it's in the name. Yeah, exactly. But now it does feel like they're kind of forcing people off and focusing on money. I think. I guess at some level they are kind of being held responsible. If you look at, say, this advertising fallout, then the big companies are saying hey youtube you should know what the all the videos like the hundreds thousands of videos that are being uploaded every day you should know what the content of those is and you should either not be hosting them or making sure that our adverts don't appear on ones that have got content that we don't want our brand aligned with Mm. and that's a pretty big ask i guess is YouTube profitable yet? Was it ever profitable? I think it was a venture. I know they had problems in the early days. Yeah. I think it must be by now with the if there's a lot of people that I watch on YouTube who that is their job. And yes. YouTube are giving them a cut of of profits that they're making off advertising. So you've got to imagine that YouTube are I don't know, taking enough money to support the platform. Hmm. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I mean, I always thought it was a, it was kind of a revenue stream. It was never going to be a consistent revenue stream, YouTube, and the people that make their livelihoods off it. I always felt like... Not that they don't have a right to complain, but you you go into something, you know, an, a, an emerging market like YouTube, aware of its volatility. and Yeah, it does feel a bit like not only, I guess, could the bubble burst at some point and suddenly everybody decides, you know, we're not watching Let's Plays anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to move on to something else. Uh, but yeah, the, it's never really felt that stable youtube they're constantly changing stuff and definitely the people that i follow on twitter that do youtubing stuff are always like saying oh youtube's changed this and now i'm getting all of these people are coming to watch this video that's four years old why is that yeah or 
you know, suddenly all this this stuff has changed, and now all my subscribers, all all the people who've watched my videos, the the numbers have dropped by half, or suddenly a whole bunch of people have been unsubscribed from my videos without knowing it, and so I'm not getting anybody coming back and watching stuff. Well, they had that problem a little while ago, if you remember, where. Was it something like if you unsubscribe from someone, then it would deduct two subscriptions instead of one? Wow. And people were just subscribing and unsubscribing because it would just, the numbers would just plummet. I'm sure they fixed it and just roll back or whatever. It'll, it'll take someone like PewDiePie or someone who's got a loyal enough fan base to, to move across, take a load of other creators with them and start their own rival thing up. Mm. And a YouTuber not doing themselves any favors by annoying those type of people because they can take the viewers with them that's true and it's not like you can say that like uh oh pewdiepie is doing you know did something that he shouldn't have because i mean that's what pewdiepie has been doing since the beginning really mm. and if you look back on his early videos it was just screaming at horror things and you know shouting well, shouting think, words i think in his case he was making anti-semitic comments to put that in context. <laughs> yeah. Was he or was that... Mm. Uh, well, yeah. he he did make them and he later claimed that he was making them as a joke. Oh, was this the um, the Fiverr thing? Uh, possibly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, where he, he got someone to hold to up. To hold up the, the sign, sign yeah. having a go at Keemstar or... Yeah, that's right. I think that was the bit that was omitted <laughs> on a lot of the things. Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. I do like a bit of YouTube drama. But it'd be interesting to see where it goes. People talk about Vimeo a lot. I don't know if Vimeo's still I a think good alternative a lot less... platform. I think it I think it'll just be something new that that they set up which will change things. You've got your ear to the ground, Adam. What's it gonna be? What's I next? Don't know. I think where, I... where are we gonna migrate our unraveling <laughs> technology videos to? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All two of them. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Too intense for YouTube. Mm. Too hot for YouTube. We're moving <laughs> the videos elsewhere. Unraveling technology after dark. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying to David the other day. Um, there's a there's a video like if you just type a full stop. I did this accidentally. If you just type a full stop into Google, the first result that it returns is a video uh, called "Full Stop Punctuation." It's just like this. Uh, just this, this little like 14 second video of someone being thrown off like a, a toy in a playground but it's got uh, like thousands of views and all the comments of people saying I just typed dot <laughs> I just typed period <laughs> and this is the first thing that ca ca came up person's making a nice little they should monetize it <laughs> 1400 subscribers mm. yeah they're still uh, the looks of it they're still they're still con content creating, so that's good. You managed to successfully derail that conversation quite well there. Yeah, uh, well done, Adam. Anyway, getting back to it, if we can talk about the uh, creators update for Windows 10, please. Uh, other things as well that it's doing. So Microsoft Edge, they're still beating that that horse. They're determined to make that better. So this new update is going to be lighter. It's going to be, you know, make your battery last longer. I like this line here. So Microsoft Edge will make your battery last longer so you can stream up to 1.4 hours of video longer than Chrome. Asterisk, asterisk, asterisk. Yeah. And it's the only browser that can play Netflix movies and TV shows in 4K Ultra HD resolution. Asterisk, 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 asterisk. I didn't follow those asterisks. Um, uh, let's let's not worry too much have, about it. 
they apparently have a uh, deal with Netflix where they've limited 4K streaming to only Windows devices using the Windows version of the Netflix app or the Edge browser. Really? Yeah. How does that work? Because um, 4K browsing, uh, 4K viewing on Netflix is reserved to a certain subscription tier, isn't it? Well, I assume it's where they talk about browser. So I guess it's only on a computer. So you probably, if you've got Mm. something capable of streaming 4K, um, that's not a computer. Like, I don't know, is one the um, Google Chromecast? Chromecast. Yeah, they got 4K. There's a 4K whatever. Chromecast. Mm. I imagine that would do 4K mm. Netflix. I don't know. I'm just looking. I'm read. I did read the asterisks. Did you? Oh, the good. Because I meant to, but then I forgot. Um, so they're introducing this uh, blue light reduction as well. It's very popular these days. When you're staying up late, you don't want to be. You don't want your eyes getting all. Yeah. So what's the theory? It's because well, it helps blue, you. To... Blue light is supposed to keep you awake. Yeah. So the theory is if you cut out the blue light basically shift the color spectrum more towards red and orange Get it warmer. then it's easier for you to fall asleep and the theory is that one of the reasons people a lot of people are having trouble falling asleep nowadays is because they spend all their time just before bed staring at smartphone screens and laptops and computers and stuff mm-hmm. so yep. yeah i know i do i've already got um this free free pro- program called flux yeah on pc that mm-hmm. does does this kind of it works with i think you tell it where you're located and then it works out when the sunset and sunrise times are in your local area and then sort of dims shifts the screen more and more towards orange as it gets later and later yeah no it's it's quite good i had to turn it off because it kept conflicting with the color profiling on my uh, computer because you know on windows you can sort of set colors mm as opposed to via the monitor, and I did that, and it kept the flux kept interrupting it. Right. Um, can I derail again? <laughs> Go for it. Have either of you heard of a YouTube channel called Primitive Technology? No, no. It's really good. Just thinking about you know just before bed, um, I've started watching it, and it's this channel where there's a guy, and he's in the middle of the woods, and he just makes stuff out of nature. <laughs> so there's a video from a year ago I reckon we should put up a link on the podcast mm-hmm. of a guy who's just out in the middle of the forest and he makes this hut and he makes it like he he, he he makes clay he makes clay out of mud and dirt and then in the clay he actually he, he creates a kiln and he bakes like roof tiles and then he chops down bits of trees and he makes a house it's just one guy doing it and he's just static camera watching him do all this stuff. And there's no background noise. There's no music. It's just like the sound of ambient sounds of nature. And it's really satisfying to watch. You what know, just sort of making uh, a house out of clay and tile and bricks and stuff. What did he make the camera out of? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, it's black and white. It's like yeah. a <laughs> style. Yeah, okay. Anyway, I hope that they don't push him off YouTube because uh, he's, a, he's a treasure. <laughs> What else? Yes. That video sounds like Minecraft, which is also something that's name dropped in in the Windows 10 Creator update. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Any any excuse? Are they doing anything with Minecraft, or is that just? I think they're mostly just use it because Microsoft own Minecraft now. Mm. Mostly just using it to advertise their streaming. Right. Okay. 
I see that this is quite a good feature, mini view window as well. I like that. So you could essentially stick a video or stick a window on the screen so that it doesn't get hidden under other windows. So if you wanted to watch Netflix, you could just stick it in the corner and drag all your other windows around and they wouldn't interfere mm, with it. That's good. Especially good for me with my 4K screen now. Yeah. All that real estate. I was telling, I was saying to David, one of the best things about it is that all the words are so crisp. You know, like when you type in a Word document, you will attest. You've seen it with your own eyes. Is it, yeah. is it actually that good? It's pretty good. Can you, can you definitely tell a difference? Yeah, you can. I think it's one of those things where if the screen's too small, you wouldn't be able to tell because every, all the pixels are so small. Mm. You could barely tell. But then again, that's kind of, I suppose, what you're going for with 4K. It's like looking at your phone screen. You can't see the pixels or anything like that. Yeah. It's good. But yeah, it just means you can get so... It doesn't even have to be that much bigger, but you can get so much more done. Yeah. You can just split the screen into four because essentially you've got four desktops to work with. Yeah. And you sat close enough that you're not squinting or anything like that. So that's that's a mini view window. Screen time as well to stop the kids playing on the computer too long. Well, I think... So I think that's already available in Windows 10, and what they're doing is bringing this to Xbox. Oh, right, okay. Xbox so taking One. it the other way. Because they're all about the parity between the Xbox and Windows 10. They've they've got their Play Anywhere scheme, haven't they? So if you buy mm. a game digitally on uh, certain games, digitally on Xbox or PC, then you can play on the other one for free. Mm. It's usually first-party stuff. Um, so there's that as well. And Windows Hello, which looks pretty good. So this is the thing that enables you to remotely unlock your PC. Or I don't know if it's so, proximity-based as well. Well, at the moment, I think you can unlock your PC with by like smiling at the camera. Um, <laughs> so the idea with this is they're, I think, expanding it so that it will take a device that you've got paired with your computer. Like, say, if you paired your smartphone, which doesn't have to be a Windows phone. No, it, it could can be, be an Android iPhone. or iOS. Yeah. Um, and then... I think it implies that you you sort of link it over Bluetooth and then when you wander away from your computer and you're suddenly outside of the Bluetooth range, then it goes, oh, phone's gone. Person must have gone as well and locks your screen. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So I think is there some, there's a similar feature you can set up with Macs and Apple Watches. Yeah, there is. Where you automatically sort of lock and unlock your computer depending on the proximity of the Apple Watch because it figures, you know, that'll be on your wrist. So when you're near the computer, then that's probably you. And when you're not, then, you know, ought to lock the screen. So I think they're basically emulating that. I can see a less elegant solution where you've got your microphone on your PC and as you're running back upstairs to the computer or whatever, you can just scream up the stairs like, PC, I'll be there in a second. And it unlocks Cortana. for you. <laughs> Cortana. Yeah. And it'd unlock for you. You know, get those those precious extra seconds in. What else? Additional security and privacy protection. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff about under the hood changes to... Uh, things like color schemes, color mixes, uh, new settings, changes to the start menu, lots of little cosmetic changes. As as an aside, have you seen that Windows 10 is now constantly peddling adverts for OneDrive in Windows Explorer? 
No, I haven't seen those. I've seen it on a few PCs now. So when you open up Windows Explorer or go to Control Panel, it's a big bar at the top saying, it's OneDrive time or something like that. <laughs> it's, it's not that, but kind of, <laughs> it's essentially kind of advertising OneDrive at you. Mm. Which is, uh, I don't, that, that's the thing that I probably like least about Windows 10 is the number of, nice features that you think this could be a nice feature except microsoft's using it to advertise at me mm. like i really like the idea of um you can have your lock screen pull down images from bing images so that you can have brand new pictures uh on your lock screen every day mm -hmm. um that have come from bing great that's nice problem is what it does is it pulls down themed pictures and then puts adverts on them. Yeah. So um, there was there was a time when it was giving me a nice picture of a turtle and telling me how I could buy Finding Dory on oh, the yeah. Windows Play Store. Um, the real kick is that when you click the link and it opens up your, gets you back on your desktop, it shows you the link in Edge. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I just, and there's no way to like, I can't use that feature without, having the adverts you can't turn the adverts part of that off so it does kind of feel a bit compromised some of these things the default view default setup of the start menu for instance with all of its live tiles and stuff is a whole bunch of stuff on there um that are links that will download a bunch of apps or tell you all all this new app is available and they want to push it to people so they start putting a link on their start bars that they can just click a quick link and download it mm. and yeah i just it's tacky it, isn't it yeah it feels like the sanctity of this is my pc i paid however much for a windows license it's mine Mm -hmm. is kind of being breached it's got this sort of always online service type model world kind of pushing its way into into that and maybe this is just the transition period until they stop charging for windows then would you yeah. be happy i mean yeah i'd be i'd be happier if it was all free because something like so i expect if i download an app on my phone and it's a free app i expect there to be an advert at the bottom which mm. hopefully is inobtrusive um, but that's reasonable. They've got to make money somehow. But we're talking about Microsoft here, the a company that has, okay, they gave out a Windows 10 upgrade to anyone who was running Windows 7 or later for a period of a year that's plus. A year, yeah. Um, so, yeah, fine, but now it's not free. Hmm. Uh, you You do have to spend... I don't know, somewhere like seventy pounds for a Windows Ten license, something around that. Yeah. So it's not a service. It's not a free product, but they are still doing the whole we need to make more money or we need to sell you more different products. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. At yeah. least with this OneDrive bar that I've noticed they're selling you first party stuff. Yeah. But for how long? I'll let you think on that. So the other story I wanted to look at was um, one that uh, America's getting all upset about, but uh, no reason we can't get upset too. <laughs> so there's recently been a bill passed that repeals an existing bill that um, Obama put out, which was a, um, an internet browsing privacy bill. 
the idea behind this bill was that it project protected users from having their data sold off by ISPs. And uh, earlier this week, it was debated in... I'm not going to pretend that I really understand the, uh, the nitty-gritty of the American legal, uh, system. legal system, but you've got the House and the Senate, and both of them have voted to repeal. So here we are. So That's now it. ISPs can... It's worth saying they can collect everybody's browser data anyway. There's nothing stopping them do, doing that. Mm -hmm. But they can now sell that browser data to advertising companies. So yeah. you as a customer of an ISP, any any website that you go to, uh, that will be logged against you and then potentially some company will come along and try and sell you products based on what you're doing. Yeah. So sifting through how the information can be obtained from what I understand, the information that they can sell to advertisers is not something specific to particular people. So I couldn't go and say, give me Adam Willerton's history, his internet history. But you might be able to do it based on uh, IP addresses or a block of IP addresses or... I don't know. It's not really set in stone, but, the under, but from what I hear, a sort of personal information would not be sent so we couldn't track you down specifically adam but i found um, an article uh which uh, talked about how there's even anonymous states can be tracked to people in certain instances when you're talking about something as personalized as browser data then like often what happens when you release a big batch of data is you anonymize it by converting say somebody's username into a number yeah. and then you use that same number in every instance of their username so you don't give out the username but you do say all of this data belongs to this individual and when they've done that in the past i've seen not to keep hitting on uber but <laughs> I've, I've read a story in the past about how uber gave a bunch of anonymous data out and had anonymized it in that way and then based on very very tiny bits of information that you might find just by observing someone like say i know that this person got in an uber cab at this time on this date mm. you can very very quickly figure out which what number is their user number and therefore get access to every single bit of their data so in this case if you can track down like i know because i was watching them or or whatever that this person visited this series of websites mm. at, between this time these times you can very very quickly narrow down to an individual yeah so i found um, an article here which i'm almost remiss to read because I think I'm really going to butcher the name. <laughs> but I think it's Yves Alexandre de, Mon de Montoy, perhaps. De Montoy and colleagues examined three months of credit card transactions for 1.1 million people, all of which have been scrubbed of any personal information. Still, 90% of the time, you manage to identify individuals in the data set using the date and location of just four of their transactions. And then it goes on to say the term identification of people, like women were easier to identify and 
your ability to identify people increases based on their income. I guess because you don't know, you have less people buying yachts. <laughs> stuff like that. So those one percent. Yeah. So there's a there's a lot of anger about it uh, online. Um, one thing that's been noted that is that um, the general consensus seems to be that a bunch of senators have got a bunch of money to push this through. So you've got a lot of senators who, uh, over the past election cycle, have been working with communications industries and sort of people that would would benefit from having the ability to sell off information. Mm. Uh, people are saying if their information is going to be sold, then does that mean that they get a cut in their in their monthly ISP bill? <laughs> Probably unlikely, but you never know. Yeah. One of the concerns is that in our world of information and information being power and looking at the way that the last election cycle went, could you see this data being, say, sold to foreign powers, you know, foreign entities... Let's have a look at what the American public likes. I don't know that there's any restrictions necessarily. I don't, I've not like, been through all of the wording of this. Like mm. the previous bill, so the bill that's been repealed basically says um, that, or summary, the summary of it is that ISPs were required to obtain affirmative opt in consent from consumers to use and share sensitive information. Mm. So, they basically had to actively get their customers to say yes that's okay mm-hmm. before they were allowed to use and before they were allowed to sell off share whatever particular things like geolocation information um health information financial uh web browsing history etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah so all of that is now gone and you know no longer need a customer to actively say yep you can do that you can just do it do you think it'd be different for businesses so if you have business broadband say well so if you if you got business broadband then a lot of a lot of the way you would route your internet Mm -hmm. i imagine you just kind of push out everybody's connection over one or two connections depending on sort of the size of your business. So it'd probably make it harder to track down to individuals. Um, so maybe that information would be less useful, less, um, you know, less interesting to advertisers. But, but if you were like, a, if you were a competitor and you bought that information. That's true. Mm. There you go. Um, what? Yeah, it depends what you what you think you can learn from those kind of things. Depends who can buy as well and how much they can buy for. Yeah. I've so, definitely seen people on Twitter go, if this bill is passed, I'm going to buy the browser history of all these senators and publish it online. Yeah. There's a guy who set up a GoFundMe page, uh, which is on searchinternethistory.com, who's saying, uh, oh, all of your private internet history is going to be searchable, so I'm going to start up this this GoFundMe too, and we'll, we'll buy we'll buy uh, Paul Ryan's internet history and then we'll see how he likes it. And and he's got a lot of money for it. But I mean, at this point, there's not even any clear idea about what sort of information will be released or whether it will be be trackable back to a person. And yeah, he's made a lot of money on it so far. Do we know which ISP Paul Ryan uses? (sighs) No, but everything's, find out everything for a price, David. But yeah. Mm. Uh, not good 
great great for advertisers great for isps Ooh. really bad for consumers yeah i heard of a um a plugin called uh, what's it called ad nauseum have you heard of that before uh no so it's kind of like your typical uh, web plugins that would block ads with the added thing that they will go if there are ads on a page it will click them to kind of try and salt your history you know to try and right bury you bury your your identity beneath a mound of other stuff so it's basically saying yes i'm interested in everything i'm interested in everything mark it at me which i imagine you do use it for a month and then you'd turn it off and you'd turn off your ad blocker and you'd have adverts for all sorts of crazy stuff all over the place yeah I don't know if that also counts as some kind of fraud as well, if you are clicking an advert to generate revenue. or I don't think it loads the page content, so I don't think, I don't know, but I don't think it would make any ad revenue. But I don't know. I think there's when you, when you sign up to advertising networks, you agree to terms and conditions that say you're not allowed to like set up fake bots to go click your own ad the adverts you've put on your own web pages and stuff right in you know yeah generate fake revenue like that i don't think there's anything against just an average person who's got no interest either way in spoofing clicks on stuff could be well ad nauseum has been banned from the google store anyway because uh apparently <laughs> it's for quite a weak reason like the reason they say is that it's because it doesn't have a clearly defined purpose uh, it, it seems to to me it seems yeah. to me to to basically salt salt your personal pro your footprint your internet footprint hmm. anyway we're running a bit over on time so i know that we had a couple of other stories uh, to speak about so uh, excitingly there are new, now 69 new emojis coming with unicode 10 uh, the the unicode consortium has spoken and there are new emojis coming uh just to give you a heads up on what some of those might be. I'm just uh, just loading the page here. Come on, Joe, I'm on the edge T-Rex. of T-Rex, mermaid perhaps? Sauropod. Sandwich. Cricket. Tomato soup can. Giraffe face. <laughs> You're, uh, you like your dinosaur comics. Yeah. You, David? Have you seen the one from, I don't know if it was today or not. I saw it shared. It was, um, it was one talking about punctuation. So it's the T-Rex saying, you know, we've got got a period for a full stop and we've got comma for a pause and the semicolon which kind of walks the line in between and why don't we have punctuation for like a, a deep sigh or a raised eyebrow and and then the other little dinosaur what's that is that a raptor is that a velociraptor it's a utah raptor utah raptor that's that's what i meant the utah raptor um <laughs> says well we've kind of got emojis now which kind of do that and to an extent that's right you can communicate a lot through emojis these days and now with the added, now with access to a, a tomato soup can emoji and a brain emoji, face with monocle, it's easier than ever to convey what you mean through a text message without it being misconstrued. Mm. One of the uh, the interesting things I found going through the Emojipedia article on this, mm -hmm. they've put together a nice four-minute video, by the way, if you want to see the emojis. You can say nice... what you will about the Unicode Consortium, but they take their jobs seriously. Well, this is Emojipedia, so oh, okay. they, I well, think they've gone it. above and beyond. They've, they've drawn their own versions of how these emojis might look because I think basically you 
I don't, I've not gone into how well defined these things are, but you basically get a line of a descriptive line about what the emoji is for. Mm-hmm. And then everybody, Google, Apple, yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft etc., will draw their own version to fit in with the sort of theming of their, mm. that they've already got on their phones and devices. So, yeah, Emojipedia have gone and drawn their own in in the style of Apple, they've said. So this is what it might Here's look like. Here's an artist's conception of what the, soup, the tomato soup can might look like. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there's a couple of guides around things like um, genders, for instance. So there's various modifiers of stuff. Like you've got a person in steamy room. So you get like a male version of that and the female version of that mm. and potentially like a gender gender neutral version as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one that I found interesting was the discussion on skin tones. Yeah. So at the moment, if you look at emojis on your phone, mm-hmm. um, some things, usually the yellow smiley faces, yeah, they're, they're like just, up they're all yellow. Like yeah. But anything that's um, a person you might find that there are a bunch of different variations of them with different skin tones. Yeah. And that's kind of like a a recommendation that you should provide a range of different skin tones for any any emoji that's classified as human. Mm-hmm. So we got a bunch of fantasy emojis in this in this group. So you got that's true. things like elves, mermaids, genies. wizards, genies, yeah. etc. So according to um According to the classification, zombies have, de- have been deemed human. So zombies support skin tone modifiers. Oh, right. However, genies are not human, oh. so do not have skin tone modifier support. Who's making these decisions, though? It's crazy. Who's to say a genie's not a person? What's a mermaid slash Unicode are getting above the station a bit, eh, aren't they? Yeah, Defining fantasy elements. Or all a great emoji content creators will be moving to another Unicode or another platform and etc. Okay. I want I want someone I want them to the next batch of Unicode descriptors to be really far out there things like Yeah. Here's the Unicode character for string theory. <laughs> Go and then just see how Apple interprets it, how Microsoft interprets it. The concept of loneliness across a vast distance. <laughs> yeah, go. And Apple will produce it, a dog or something. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing that always gets me with emojis is like, I know what I'm seeing on my Android phone, but I'm sending this to somebody who's using an Apple phone. I have no idea what it looks like on there. So yeah, is it going to a- interpret the same when they look at it that, as the way that I mean this emoji? There's got to be a board game in there somewhere. Yeah, like uh, where you, it gives you a descriptor and you have to draw. Well, I guess it's Pictionary, isn't it? <laughs> <No way>. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's yeah. already been done. Yeah, it? forget it. <laughs> no one will come up with the original idea again. So everyone going to see the Emoji Movie as well? <laughs> oh yeah. And who um who voices the the poo emoji? I know it's somebody. It's Patrick Stewart, isn't it? That's it. <sighs> Patrick, what are you doing? Still, I'll go see it in IMAX 3D to give it its dues <laughs> <laughs> before I go to Emoji Land on holiday. Oh, man. Yeah. That'll be next, won't it? Mm, probably. Right, I've got a Kickstarter of the week, which I'll just do quickly. This is the uh, Orb TM. 
the world's first germ-killing blue UV light ball. Uh, hang on, I've got a lovely little picture for you here. Here I've got a picture of two of them in their little holsters. Um, these are these little balls, they're waterproof. And uh, you, you're familiar with the idea about UV light and how it can kill bacteria, germs, etc. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, these are little portable balls that are, you can basically just do whatever you want with and they'll kill germs. So from the descriptor, it says, you know that humidifier you cleaned three weeks ago? Adam knows what I'm talking about. Clean, cleaning his humidifier. Adam, <laughs> do you want to go out? No, I'm cleaning my humidifier. <laughs> Said, read the user guide you're supposed to clean it quite often so often it might as well be a part-time job now think about the other products you use daily but don't clean enough sneakers pet bowls washable water bottles meat and veggie drawers the orb is perfect for disinfecting these things that is such a so like the example array of things they've got like a bowl of say baby uh, milk bottles and you just see a bowl of milk bottles and then thump, this orb just lands in the middle of them. And <laughs> this, this, this blue glowing orb is like, there you go, disinfect that. And then like a little thing underneath saying, um, the orb is not a substitute for cleaning. <laughs> so, uh, and they, they go on to say, our light should not be confused with UVC. 100 nm i'm not sure what nm stands for sorry nanometer nanometer 100 nanometer guess. to 280 nanometers which is used in industrial applications or uvb which is the skin cancer causing type of uv emitted from the sun our that's light, probably a good thing yeah the, the our light yeah. peaks at 405 nm and tails off in low intensities to 435 nm making it very effective at killing microbes while still being safe for humans to use every day so, there you go. Mm. I'm I, kind of. I have my suspicions about anything that is good at killing germs, but doesn't really. That's do it's a very much for humans. Yeah, it's a very fine line to draw. It's to tread. Is the impression I'm getting, and it's either going to be ineffective or it's going to be worse for humans than you think it would. Mm. Um, but if you want them. <laughs> 21 days to go they've got 11,000 pledged of their 25,000 how much are they I knew you were going to ask that I didn't check does it light Whatever up black light is, posters I don't know actually I don't think that's discussed on there but I'll find out for you uh, if you want uh, da -da -da, 65 $65 if you want the early bird and that gets you two orbs and a charging station what I'm what I'm picturing them, the use for them is in like a pitch black room, but like a kind of sport, so you throw it around and it looks like Tron. Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like, so you can throw it around, UV but lights. also kill it, germs. Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not sure about the germs thing, but... I could make a cleaning fun if you just play, play squash with it in your kitchen. You know, just bash it against <laughs> the walls, just clean up. But I think the idea is you can put it in, a, in a, say, a shoe, and it'll disinfect the shoe. It'll be the equivalent of going into a bowling alley and I'm getting that massive Spray. you know massive kind aerosol of. can of off-brand disinfectant going to both of your shoes i'm sure that sounded great on the recording <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I trust these pop filters <laughs> there you go kickstarter of the week okay right we best skedaddle because we've overrun um so if you'd like to get in touch with us about anything we've talked about today then please do you can podcast no you can email us a podcast at unravelingtechnology.co.uk or find us on Twitter at Unraveling Tech. There's also the blog, which you can visit, which is unraveling.technology, which has lots of articles on it for you to read and peruse. 
and of course the uh, iTunes page if you want to leave us a review. I think that'll do it. That's episode 61 of the Unraveling Technology podcast from me, Joe, Adam Willerton, and David Johnson. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.